Hello and welcome to another Spy Master interview here on Spy Hard's podcast. I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam the Provocateur. And this week we are bringing you some spy kids action, some shiitake mushrooms, if you will. We have a special guest joining us. It is Alison Baker. Now, you may not have heard the name, but she has a big part to play in these films. Now, Cam, can you tell the listeners a little bit about Alison? Yes, she served as a assistant and then eventually an executive assistant in various other roles um, on the Spy Kids franchise and some of the other Troublemaker films of the era. She also worked as the um, director of operations at Troublemaker at a certain point in time. So she's someone who can give us a little bit of an insight into what was going on in sort of the world of Robert Rodriguez as he was making movies of this particular era. Yeah, so we we haven't really tried to get many interviews when it comes to the Spy Kids, because if you watch the Blu-rays, Robert Rodriguez has some very deep uh, behind-the-scenes information. He really gives some like, audio commentaries about how he made these films and puts them together. So uh, he's already told the story. But we thought talking to Alison would give us a different angle on the project altogether, because she's seeing, you know, how the sausage is made, as it were, and, and you know, not that we're going to go into any gory detail, of course, but, you know, just a, a different perspective than perhaps the people that were, you know, the directors, the cinematographers and that sort of thing. Yeah, and also a very different portrait just in terms of what sort of the sets are like uh, that Rodriguez runs from what I'd read in the past. And, you know, we get to hear more of a someone who's there on the day to day telling us what it's like to work on a production like that Rodriguez is doing. Yeah, but let's not dally, Cam. Roll the interview. And now we are joined by Alison Baker. Hello, Alison. Hello. Now, we've brought you on to talk about Spy Kids. You know, we're fascinated to know all the stories about Spy Kids. But what we need to know first is how you even got into the film industry to start off with. What's your origin? My origin story. Okay, well, that's that's fun. Uh, my husband's a comic book writer, so I'm used to origin stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's see. So I guess uh, I I have a degree in communications. Um, and when I was in college in Austin, Texas, I um, started working for a, a commercial film production company that produced like commercials, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I graduated from school, um, one of my... F- I had been working basically in, in the film business like as a coordinator, um, like a production coordinator type person, um, producing um, basically like commercial shoots. And um, one of the first uh, things I applied to once I graduated from, graduated from college was to be the office PA on the faculty, which is uh, Robert, uh, one, another one of Robert's movies. And um, they ended up hiring me, even though they told me I was overqualified. And I was like, I don't care. I've never worked on a feature before. So um, that's how I basically started working for him. Um, I was the office PA on the faculty, and then they kept me on for post-production. So I was the post-production assistant as well. And ended up being in L.A. actually for a few months uh, at the end of the post-production situation for that film. And then I became... um, Elizabeth's assistant. Uh, um, basically, that was my that was my first position uh, on the first Spike Kids movie. Was one of her assistants, and then fast forward a couple of years later, when we we were shooting Once Upon a Time in Mexico, re-releasing Spike Kids, prepping Spike Kids two. <laughs> um, Robert asked for me to be his assistant, and so because I had been Elizabeth's assistant, I kind of became both of their assistants and then I got an assistant. So that's kind of like, then I worked for him for se- like seven years. So um, that's kind of how I started. <laughs> he is kind of my origin story um, in the film business. So if that's just kind of a roundabout way, if that makes any sense at all, uh, there it is. <laughs> that's how I started. So you're sort of there for ground zero of the beginning of the Spy Kids franchise as an assistant to Elizabeth uh, Avalon, the producer on the film. Right. And I'm just curious what sort of the vibe was as they're setting up what will, you know, turn out to be a very popular franchise. What was the vibe? Um, Wonderful. It was wonderful working for them. Um, I mean, it was, uh, you know, a very much a family atmosphere um, being... You know, 
they were they were they were amazing to work for um and you know i think that people always thought of robert being a person who would do um like action shoot him up you know horror type movies or whatever when really his origin was shooting movies with his brothers and sisters mm -hmm. so it kind of was kind of like him kind of going back to his roots as well um and you know it was you know the early aughts um i don't know it was just like a just a, it was a really wonderful experience um working for them i, I don't know what I, I don't know what else to say about that um we worked out of a warehouse that used to be we were at the burleson office on that feature which we also shot the faculty a lot of the faculty there um we rebuilt our stages there and it was like an old like hair and makeup distribution center <laughs> yeah, that sounds like really weird um it's quirky yeah it's quirky yeah so i remember like floops castle like the in you know, the big you know floops castle interior mm -hmm. was like all back there on the in the warehouse of the barrel as an office and when we did two we had that's when we started shooting over in the airport stages so you know we ended up we ended up building a really large green screen on those stages um for two and three and that's when then we had like actually like redone there was a lot of construction involved in my job later in my career there so we ended up building um i don't want to go like too fast but like we ended up you know by the time we got to to two and three you know we had our own editing uh facility sound mix stage uh sound stages um visual effects company um you know i started out as uh as the office p on the faculty but i left when i left troublemaker i was director of operations so and i managed like 27 separate corporate entities for them by the time i left so i learned a lot <laughs> i think that actually in pivots. my 20s yeah that's that's a lot to do that actually pivots really well into the question i was going to ask you because you know you're down as executive assistant to the producers. That's your credit yeah. That's because like, we couldn't figure out what to call me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was just like I guess they I, call I, me that. Yeah, sure. That that sounds great. That's a good mm -hmm. title. I've spoken to enough like assistants, and I've been an assistant before as well to know that you do a thousand things. Right. So I I think what we might try and chart in this conversation is what you got involved with in each film. So you know, Spike is one. You were the assistant to the producer. I guess that's the main role you were doing, but you know, what else yeah. do you remember doing with the first picture? I remember doing the actor's gifts. I kind of was in charge of making sure that they got whatever they received when they wrapped. Um, we ended up doing these little like case, these spy cases with like, and I would make, we made them like little IDs and like spy IDs, which makes no sense because they're spies. So why would they need yeah. an ID? <laughs> but like, anyway. <laughs> We did like we go like we like we made them like little cases and I remember like for Tony Shalou we gave him one of the sculptures. Yeah. Um he still and has stuff, it apparently. and really? Yeah, I actually um did a post on this on our Instagram when we covered the first spy kids that yeah, there was a story about Tony Shalhoub, you know, however many years later talking about his work on Spy Kids and he had the that sculpture still. Yeah, he got really like he uh i remember when he he rapped and i remember we gave him the case and the and the sculpture and he was like really emotional about it um and i remember like when we walked off the stage and he was like did i but did i do okay and i was like yes you did great actors are so like weirdly insecure, insecure. <laughs> so i'm like you're tony shalhoub you're like amazing like what the hell um <laughs> i'm always like amazed by that um so yeah so i would do like stuff like that i would do like the like the rap gifts and stuff and then once we got into like past one there was a lot more merchandise and um mm. toys and the mcdonald's stuff and everything so you know the robert had approval on everything and so everything would go through me um to make sure that like he approved it and saw it and was happy with it so there was a lot of me talking to the promotions department at Miramax to make sure that like he got the approvals and we saw everything and 
that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a lot of that. Um, just making sure that, you know, he's okay with things and um, like the storybook got done and cause you know, a lot of that stuff was on the green screen. So we'd have mm -hmm. to like have that, those images kind of created by our visual effects department um, for the book, which I people probably don't even think about um, stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. I, it was a long time ago. <laughs> so, well, okay. Did a so, lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and on two, Robert's back went out, which was oh my. for everybody. Yeah. Because he's a, he's a very physical man. He, he does basically all the jobs on the set I've read. So that must have been quite uh, hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's his, he likes to operate camera and stuff. But um, yeah, his back, his back went out at the beginning of two. And we only had Antonio for a certain amount of time. I think we had him for like 10 days. And so we had to shoot him out. And we really couldn't. Um... Two was interesting because we had a lot of weird stuff happen on two. 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. A couple of weeks before we started shooting, um, which was complicated, a lot of things just because we had, in fact, our visual effects, uh, our main visual effects house was in Montreal and the artists were on a plane during 9 11 and they had, they grounded them in Atlanta and um, they ended up having to drive from Atlanta to Austin because there were no planes flying at the time. And um, to that, remember that happening. And then um, ironically, so this is the, this is where this world becomes like five people. So Mike Allred, who is a comic book artist and mm -hmm. writer, um, had been friends with Robert for years. And he, he, we brought them down. We brought Mike and Laura um, Allred and their daughter, uh, Kelby, who at the time was like, nine or 10 who now has a kid named Bowie. Anyway, it's like, cause I'm old anyway. So <laughs> we brought them down to be extras, uh, in the big ballroom scene in the beginning of Spikes yep. two. Mm -hmm. Yep. So they're kind of like in the back, I think Mike judge's kids are there. Oh, Rick Linklater's kids is there like his and, uh, and Laura, like his daughter's there anyway. So like, there's like a bunch of people that are like in the background that are people that were friends with Robert. And so we brought them down to be on the set and everything. And um, I remember taking care of them and, you know, making sure they were taken care of. And years later, um, my husband, who's a comic book writer, uh, was writing a book that ended up call being called iZombie. Mm -hmm. and, there, and there ended up being a television show called iZombie, yeah. which was based on his comic book. Anyway, that's my, did the art for that. And so they put them together on this project. And so when he started, when they, they first got put together on to do the book, he's like, you might know my wife. And Mike's like, oh my God, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> is that so, is a small world syndrome right there? Yes, yes, very much so. But yeah, but Robert liked to always have people, there's tons of like uh, crew people in Spy Kids, um, in Spy Kids too. I'm not in any of the, I'm the only thing, my footprints are into, I'm not in them because I was always too busy working. <laughs> right. But like Rico, there's still photographers in it. Like there's people from the accounting department. There's all kinds of always crew people like all over the place in the movies. Hang on, your footprints are in too. Mm-hmm. On As the in... beach. Ah, so you are in the film. My footprints are in the film. <laughs> hey. hey, we need to update these footprints. IMDb credits. Yeah, you need it. That, that, you need the credit for it. This yeah. is what we're doing here, exposing what you've done and giving you full yeah. credit for it. Um, well, we, we had, so that's two then. So you're obviously doing a lot more with two. But two in the film is, is already changing because it's using a lot more green screen in the second film. Looking yes. at the third one, yes, which is definitely. like 3D now in the third one and almost completely green screen from, from what I can tell. Yes. Um, was that a different challenge altogether? Yes, because we had to use the pay system, which was by that point we were on HD. You know, we were the first people to use HD in the field. We were the first ones to use the F nine hundreds, which is when we shot once upon time, once upon a time in Mexico. So we shot that. We shot that. We prepped that in like three weeks. <laughs> 
such a such a Robert Rodriguez thing. Three weeks prep. That's uh... yeah. I was gonna. Yeah, ask... it's super fun when you're <laughs> Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask about that crazy period doing Spy Kids two and three with it Once was Upon insane. a Time in so, Mexico. Yeah, let's go back to that because that was insane. So Spy Kids comes out, and then they're doing press for Spy Kids. And then Robert's in the car with Antonio and he had time and Sony had always wanted, had always wanted a sequel to Desperado. So Antonio was like, well, I got time. And, and Robert's like, let's do it. And so they decide to do it. And then we like, are like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> but then at the time, like Sony was going broke. So, like, I don't think anybody, like, I don't know that people, if people remember this or not. Sony was going broke, okay? So, what saved them was the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. Right. Yeah. This is so long. This is so, we're all, I'm so old. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they don't were don't going say that. I fondly remember Spider-Man 1, yeah, don't worry. Same. We're all yeah. in the same boat here. So does Sony, which is well. why they will never let that property go. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> They just signed Tom Holland for four more, three more films. So yeah, they they, yeah. they need that Spidey money. Yeah, no, it's it's been it saved their studio. Um, that lot is great though too. We did the post on the faculty on that lot. Um, it's a beautiful lot. It's my first my first lot, when I was twenty three years old. Um, anyway, we were in the Sydney Point A building. It was lovely. Um, yeah. So uh, so we. So we decided to do Mexico, but then they want to re-release Spy Kids with additional footage. And so, like, we have to have the kids come down to Mexico to do, like, ADR. And it's like, it's like this, like, whole thing, right? And we're also, like, shooting on this these new cameras, like, nobody's ever shot on before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, Lucas had the prototype, but, like, nobody had shot on them, on them in the field. And we only had, like, one deck. So we couldn't make copies of the tape. So we're shooting on video, you know, like, but like, we don't have a way to like clone the tapes. So at one point, like I get sent to LA on a plane with the movie, you know, to fly back to, with the fucking tapes, you know, like, it's like, it's like in the movie, like, they're like, okay, Allison, you're going to fly to LA with these tapes. And I'm like, okay. Mild panic attack here. Yeah. It's no, I mean, sweating. it was like, because we had no way to clone them because we didn't have two decks. Mm. So, yeah. and that was like, and then the thing, everything was out of sync because like, because it's like, you know, uh, 2997, which is like, nobody had figured that out yet. I mean, it was like, it was like the wild west of filmmaking. So, um, but also we're also like prepping Spike Kids too. And so I'm flying back and forth to Mexico like every couple of weeks, you know, we're also doing like construction on the house and like the edit room and everything. I'm like, it was like, it was, it was crazy. So, um, so yeah. So the fact that like we did Mexico as fast as we did and then came and turned around to do the second movie with the cast that we had which was insane i mean like, <laughs> was yeah. like on both films to be quite honest i was like what's happening you know um yeah it was crazy so yeah so it was that was two was all over the place because two was like we shot we shot in west texas we shot in costa rica we shot all over austin like all of the but we shot a lot in the Pernalis, which was getting in and out of there was kind of a nightmare. Um, was that yeah, the a desert the island? A lot of the island was the Pernalis yeah. like, river area. Mm -hmm. um, and then we did like two weeks in Costa Rica, which we waited for the volcano to not be in clouds for like three days so we could shoot it. And finally, like the last day we were there, it finally like the weather cleared and Robert could get in the helicopter. So what was the process like shifting from, you know, as you say, like locations for Spy Kids 2 to going to more of the green screen 3D realm for part three? It was a lot easier to be on green screen. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just on a stage. Yeah. 
And by that point, we had had built out the offices. So like the stages were like, so it was two, it was an, it was an old airport hangar. It was the old state cooling board. Um, and we had basically like kind of redone the, the, we, um, made one of the stages soundproofed. We soundproofed it. So we had to like, kind of like, you know, engineer it so that the, it could take on more weight and kind of stuff. And on the top because it used to just be like a big metal box and wasn't soundproofed at all so if it, when it rained it was loud like it would be like rain hitting metal mm -hmm. you know in fact i actually remember around two having some we had some tornado issues and all had to get in the middle of the building at one point just during yeah. filming yeah because we had mm -hmm. some weather <laughs> Because Texas, yay, um, yeah, and it was bad. It was lightning, and it was there were tornadoes around, and we all had to. So it was like it was like Mike Judge and the kids and like all the crew were like in the middle of the building, in the hallway, like waiting for the tornadoes to go by. <laughs> that's just a, that's just a bizarre moment. I mean, being on a film set is a bizarre thing anyway. But you know, being huddled with the spy kids and just like, hey, there's a tornado outside. Hey, there's Ricardo Montalban over there. What's going oh, on? Oh yeah, Ricardo was amazing. Yeah, that was that was kind of a highlight of my life was meeting him. That's kind of great. So but they were both like I like I said Robert's back went out. So like both of them were like on these like walkers during <laughs> the time they were both there. Because Ricardo's back had been bad for for a very long time. Mm. And, going back uh, to Wrath of Khan, he was having yeah. back problems back then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the fact that, that man could work, you know, I've had I had spinal surgery, you know, in like 2014. So, you know, I understand what that's kind of like, you know, like to have that kind of pain and it's really debilitating. And the fact that he worked through that for so mm. long, it was pretty remarkable. I, I would love to know just Robert Rodriguez. One of the things I've always found interesting about him, and I've been with him really since I guess Des Desperado onwards, is that whenever I would read interviews or um, observers on the sets, they would always talk about how relaxed the set was and how he just seemed very casual. And that's something I've always found really interesting when you look at filmmaking, which they often say <laughs> is the exact opposite of that, which is hard work, backbreaking, you know, just exhausting work. And I've always just been curious to have more of a, you know, yourself having seen Rodriguez on set so many times, what the sort of the atmosphere of his sets are like. Um. Well, I can only speak to like, I, I worked with him from the faculty through, I guess my last movie was Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Mm -hmm. um, so in the first, so I did the first Sin, Sin City. Um, I wouldn't call it casual. You know, Robert doesn't like to talk mm -hmm. very much. <laughs> so I got really good at reading his mind. Um, which is kind of like, I think why we got along so well is because like, I don't know, it's just like, I kind of could figure out like what he needed mm -hmm. at any given moment and how he wanted to be talked to, like how he wanted to deal with different departments and stuff. And I could kind of translate to other people kind of how to get the best result out of the situation. Sure. Um, you know, any film set is, has a lot of moving parts at any given moment. Um, but I would, I will say I learned, you know, those crews that we had in, in, in Austin were fantastic. And, you know, I've been working, God, I've been working in this business for a long time. And I, I, I would liken, you know, other crews I've worked with like in Alberta, Canada to be very similar, but um, it just was a really well-oiled machine. And I don't know that, it was casual per se. I think to think we just, we just all worked very well together. And if you didn't work well, you didn't stay. Right. I just wonder how much of that is just, you know, reporters showing up for a day on set. Everything's kind of like a well-oiled machine and their takeaway is, yeah, this is a much easier, more relaxed oh, set than so many. Whenever, yeah. we had, whenever we had press on set, it was always, you know, that's yeah. a, always a different situation. Um, because we know they're there. <laughs> of course. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Well, you, but I, I, would, I would actually say that the reason why everything worked so well was because of Elizabeth. Okay, interesting. Could you talk maybe a little bit about just your relationship working with her? 
Oh, we were family. I mean, it was, it was family. I mean, they were my family. Like they were, you know, when I left, it was, it was hard because it was, you know, it was a family. Like it wasn't like a job, I guess. I mean, it was, but <laughs> you know, that was, um, they were wonderful, you know? And I think that, you know, she kind of made sure that everybody was taken care of and, um, but that also that Robert got everything that he wanted. Mm. So it was a, it was a great, it was a great time. I, I, I can't speak to what happened after I left. So I, I don't, you know, that's, that's a different situation, but um, she was a wonderful, she was, she, it was her um, to be quite honest. <laughs> who made everything work, I think. And especially with the kids, I mean, it was, you know, it was complicated because like you have the kids and their, their parents and, you know, um, their siblings. And we had the stunt kid. We had so many kids. I mean, it was like, we didn't just have the main kids we had. And then two, we had like Emily and the other kid's name. I can't remember his name right now. <laughs> we had so many kids and then we had the stunt doubles. You know, and then the stand-ins and then the photo doubles. Cause you can only do, you can only work with so kids so many hours a day. So a lot of what we would have would be the photo doubles for the kids. Cause we could only work for like, I think eight hours or whatever. Cause they had to go to school as well. So we had the school, you know, and it was like, yeah, it was like, you know. And so then we also had like all of Robert's kids, you know? So, and then by the time I mean, by the time I, I had, I mean, my kid is now 17, but my kid was, you know, a month old when we started shooting Sin City and there, you know, all the kids were there. We had a lot of kids. Publicists had a baby. I had a baby. Elizabeth <laughs> and, and I were like two weeks apart pregnant, um, which was interesting. <laughs> Wait, it sounds like it definitely was at the a, same time. So. Definitely was a family there by the sounds of it. Yeah. Quite literally. Definitely. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, and to to answer the point before, it's Matt O'Leary was the other. Oh right, yes. The other uh, the he other secret lovely. agent. He was adorable yeah. and lovely. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Agents, we have some breaking intel. That's right. Independent podcasting is not cheap. Equipment, hosting, research—these all add up, and we don't have Vesper Lind to bail us out. And also, we don't want to run ads on the show. Leave the shopping to Harry Palmer, we say. And this is a big reason we created the Spy Hearts Patreon. So we're here to ask for your help. Please consider joining the Patreon. You'll not only be gaining access to our exclusive lineup of reviews and film commentaries, but also helping support the show. We're currently saving to upgrade our sound equipment to meet IMF standards and give you an even better listening experience. With a wide range of flexible options and an ever-growing catalogue to dive into, Become a true spy hard today and join the circus at patreon.com slash spyhards or you can find a link in the show notes below. Now Cam, resume the spy jinx. Well, I suppose I was going to mention one thing, but maybe I'll save it for later. But we were talking about the kids and the film is about spy kids. And notoriously working with child actors can be very hit and miss. And I think the performances in these films are terrific from all the kid actors so it's wonderful work from rodriguez coaching them there and wonderful work from them as actors but you know just from your perspective what was it like working with so many kids on set it was great and i loved it i mean their moms were great it was like sandy and gina was the other was alexa's mom's name and yeah i mean it was like i mean it was just like at a certain point that's just like who we who we saw every day <laughs> just like it was just normal I know that sounds like really weird, but like, you know, we were all in our, each other's lives for like, you know, a number of years. It was like mm -hmm. four or five years or something like that. Um, you know, and it wasn't just Daryl, it was his brother, Evan, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it, it was, it was great. It was great having all the kids there, you know, well, it was fun. Maybe if we compare it to say some of the other Rodriguez projects where there wasn't as many kids around. What were some of the challenges that you faced with having that many kids on set that you had to overcome, perhaps? Uh, not that there's anything bad here, but there are obviously still challenges. 
Um, I mean, I, I think just from a, like a, from a filmmaking perspective, it's hard because you can only, like I said before, we can only have them work for so many. So the scheduling is more complicated. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they have to be in school so many hours a day, that kind of thing. But movies move like really slow. Like I've worked in TV for like the last seven years and like we move so fast uh, on television because we take, we take, um, we do like, you know, two episodes every two weeks. And I remember I rewatched Spy Kids the other day, like not like it was, it was a few months ago. And I, I was like, and I was like, wow, like how was I at every single one of these locations? Because I wasn't really on set all the time, but I was at like almost all of these locations. And it's because in movies, like you stay in the same scene forever, it feels like. <laughs> Where in like television, you're like having to like move really fast. So um, I don't know. I don't know that we was really going to need to, any different except for like you know when we do like the adult stuff it's like you know we have like mickey rourke to deal with so that's a whole other mess sly stallone walking around yeah that's uh that's a different oh thing. So, but he's lovely by the way he's uh, he's a lovely man he's i've heard rourke nice. can be a, a bit of a handful though <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was you can't see my eye i know this is not only audio so you can't you can't see my eyes but yes I'll just I, say I, yes. I think that was a that's a classic no comment. I think there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't think I'm allowed to talk about all the yeah with Mickey, but um, yeah, I do still have um, I still have the parent and from the parents, but I still have furniture from the parents' bedroom in my house. Okay, we we need to talk about that then. You can't you can't. Yeah, drop I still bomb. have like the side tables, and I had a lot more <laughs> other stuff, but I got rid I got rid of some of it anyway side table oh like the dressing tables and stuff like the side tables from the parents bedroom so like just like the side like they're just, it's just furniture but it was cool and i was like I, yeah. you know they do if they do like a you know a sale afterwards they do like a world do like a wardrobe and huh set duck sale and stuff so i ended up what, getting all this stuff it was gonna be my question was you know what were some of the things you brought home or you know people always get asked what did you take from the set i don't know if you necessarily took anything from the set but you know what are some mementos you still have and obviously you've got tables uh, yeah, I still have the side tables from the parents' bedroom. Um, I had some other stuff. I had some cool stuff. I had this really weird, like, flower thing from Boop's Castle that lit up or whatever. And I, I think when we moved from Texas, I got rid of it. Um, I, there was a lot of stuff I had to get rid of when we moved from Texas because we moved from, like, 3,600 square feet to, like, 2,700 square feet. We moved to Portland, Oregon, so our house is not as big. Um, but... Yeah, I think I had that. I mean, I have posters and stuff. Um, I don't know. Like, <laughs> that's the one thing I thought was funny, though, is I still have the side table from the parents. parents it's completely room. inconspicuous. That's the great thing about a side table. Like, you know, yeah. it's a spiker's table, but no one else knows. Yeah, nobody would know it's from a movie. Yeah, it's just you know, furniture. When you think of the three Spy Kids movies you worked on, um, which one would you say was like your favorite production of the three to work on? And then does that align with maybe what your favorite of the three movies is? Well, no, I, I liked, but two is my favorite Two Like is kind of, you know, I did the most on two, I think. Um, and cause I was brought, cause I was really with Robert, like as his person. And then, and I traveled with him everywhere. Um, and the experience in Costa Rica was really interesting. You know, that was, that was, and that was fun too. Cause we were just like, you know, at night I'd go hang out with like all the Jeff Dashnow and his family. Cause D Jeff Dashnow, who was a stunt coordinator, all of his kids were kids at the time. And the, some of the stunt kids, like, <laughs> so they, the whole family would come and they were just, they're just lovely people. Um, but his wife is a stunt person, like their whole family are stunt people. It's like a stunt family. It's kind of fun. Anyway, so I would go like hang out with them because I was always with Robert. Like I always had to be with Robert. So like, mm -hmm. which is boring, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, I want to go hang out with the rest of the crew. But we were all kind of separated when we were in Costa Rica. And so when we were at the volcano, like I was at a hotel with Robert and Brian Betwee, who was the first AD. And then but like down the road was like the Dashnaws and like the wardrobe girls and like Graciela and the wardrobe girls and stuff. And like, 
there was this active volcano that um, had, and there, and there was like this kind of like spa area, hotel kind of place that had like hot springs. Mm-hmm. So like at night we would like, like go to the hot springs or whatever, um, which was like super fun. But also like, you know, I hiked up an active volcano, which is not something people do normally. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't done it this the week. You no, was really no. nice when we got to the top, but it was like <laughs> me with like 50 pounds on my back and like Robert's computer and like all kinds of crap. I'm like, what are we doing? Well, my next question, you might have just accidentally answered it, was um, looking at your time just on the Spy Kids films, what was perhaps the biggest challenge you faced? Maybe it was walking up that hill. No. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. Um, I think when his back went out, that was rough. Mm. Because, like, we couldn't, I like had to have eyes on him like all the time. Cause I was like, so afraid that like he was, he was going to get more injured. Um, that was the hard, that, I think that was probably one of the hardest things I had to ever do in my life to be, be quite honest. So. And how long a period of time was that? Um, it was a couple of weeks. That was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, we had like a, there was like a, a bed on the set, like even, like it was not great. And then he was taking like these pain pills and they made him sick and it just was, it was miserable. But we had to shoot Antonio out, mm-hmm. you know? So we had to kind of push through it. it. Sucked. Well, I've been curious as we've been revisiting these movies, you have a lot of famous adult actors that pop in. And I would imagine that sometimes gets tough with scheduling because a lot of them, obviously aren't there the length of the shoot. So yeah. was that often complicated to juggle some of these bigger names who are swinging by for a few days? Um, yeah, I mean, that's the case in any feature you work on. I mean, a lot of times it's like when the ske- actor schedules are like one of the hardest things to, to manage, which is really, the, you know, the AD department manages that more than anything else. And the producers and whatnot, like Elizabeth and, and Bill Scott um, is really kind of their purview so I didn't really um that's not something that I really dealt with but Mm -hmm. um but I do know that like when you have somebody for a certain amount of time like with Antonio who's expensive and if you go over your days you pay a lot of money Mm -hmm. so um so yeah I mean it's it's just just it's just kind of one of the things that you kind of have to manage you know um but you know what's lovely is that you know I don't think we've ever had we really haven't had kind of count on like one hand the number of assholes we've ever had on our sets. Um, I mean, Steve Buscemi is just like one of the best humans you've ever, ever met in your life. Um, Alan Cumming is fantastic. I mean, like they're all just like wonderful humans. You know what I mean? Um, and Carla's great. I mean, and t- I mean they're all great. I mean, I just I. I, 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 I don't have a bad thing to say about any of them, you know? I mean, Ho, I mean Holland Taylor, Ricardo Montalbán. I mean, like, it's like, even Sylvester Stallone, I mean, he was just a giant dork. It was amazingly wonderful, like, to watch him, like, you know, goof around, you know, and not. Because, like, my office, like, was right next to Robert's, and so he would, you know, on three, like, we had all of our offices set up, and he'd kind of come in and be playing around, goofing around or whatever, and... um. Yeah, he was just a big giant nerd. I was like, oh my God, Sylvester Sloan's a giant nerd. That's amazing. I love that. <laughs> it's like you would never guess that, but he is. So And how I was just curious how hands-off Dimension films were when it came to the production of, you know, Spy Kids films or the other Rodriguez films you worked on. Well, Bob was always like Bob always like thought Bob Weinstein always thought that I know Robert hung the moon. So um they were, you know, Bob was involved. We dealt with Bob's office more than anybody else's. Um, and, you know, Dimension was a division of Disney. Mm-hmm. So they audit like crazy as far as accounting goes. Um, so they weren't, I mean, 
they were as involved as any other studio, I guess, is involved. But, you know, Robert had a, a, a fair amount of autonomy mm-hmm. um, because he was uh, so well respected and liked by the people in charge. Um, so, you know, I think we kind of got away with some stuff, but we also, um, you know, did well for the studio. So, because um, cons- because our budgets were um, probably less than Robert on purpose kind of made sure that our budgets weren't too big so that we didn't have too much involvement, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Yeah. Well, it's, um, I mean, the first thing I'm going to say is maybe more of a statement, but one thing we've noticed from tracking these Spy Kids films, and we're very happy about, is, is the reverence shown to the genre that we clearly love because we talk about spy films every week. You mm-hmm. know, Rodriguez clearly loves spy films and kids' films, and you can see that there's a passion and a reverence, is the word I'll use, to the genres. And I know, you know, it's a, a, a grand scene. Lots of people work together on these films, but just to speak to someone involved, thank you for, for treating this genre so well because it could have easily been a, a schlocky mess that we got and they're not that i can still watch them 20 years gone and, and enjoy them as an adult and that's that's saying something um but i'll, yeah, I'll get around to my question yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll, it, it's just nice to say but i'll get around to my question uh which is maybe far less of a serious question are you more of a carmen or a junie oh i'm a totally a carmen <laughs> <laughs> that's the correct answer good good, good. come on like look at me <laughs> to be fair so am i it's fine yeah um well the final question i have in terms of spike is for myself I, i'm sure cam might have a follow-up if, looking back on the three films now i i so i asked about any troubled moments you went through what's maybe your favorite moment from being on set or working on the films that you think back on when you think of the spike kids time um honestly so this is funny uh so i was in I mean, okay, we're in Costa Rica and like the mm. phones don't work, right? We have like these phones, like it's the early days of cell phones, because it's like 2000, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, back in the olden days. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody's like cell phone works. Nobody has phones in their room. Okay. I have a phone because I'm with Robert in the super nice hotel, but like only Robert and I are there. Like, and everybody, everybody in the crew is like, we're like, we're shooting in like in Minmal Antonio, which is like, the beach section, like the beach side of Costa Rica. We moved from, we moved away from the uh, the volcano and we're on the beach. It's beautiful. It's a gorgeous. It's hot. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Um, nobody has any phones, which is complicated when you're running a film production. <laughs> you know, kind of yeah. need to talk to each other, right? So we have an, like one more day of shooting and we have a lot of stuff we haven't shot. And I, I have the driver take me to meet with Bill Scott, who's the UPM and the, in, in Betway, the um, first CD, to like basically talk about what we're doing the next day. Mm-hmm. So I can communicate that to Robert. And I get the driver to take me down because there's no phone. <laughs> and Bill's like, oh, we have all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I said to Bill and Brian, I said, Okay, this is what we're going to do. I said, you're going to tell Robert he can be home (laughs) if we finish at noon. I said, and then we'll be finished at noon. (laughs) You can tell him he'll be home by six if we finish at noon. And Bill Scott looks at me and he's like, seriously? And I was like, seriously? (laughs) And that's exactly what happened. So we were done by noon (laughs) and then Robert took the helicopter to San Jose that we were shooting in. We were shooting in because we were shooting a bunch of aerial stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's before we had, before there were drones because it was 2000. (laughs) It was like the olden days. Robert gets like really motion sick. So that was always like a struggle, like, you know, with the helicopter. But anyway, but he took the helicopter, the helicopter, like we were done. And then he, the helicopter took him to San Jose so he could get on the plane and fly back home and be home by six. And then the crew got a whole half day on the beach. Nice. 
Yeah, not a, not a bad way to wrap her. Uh, but just, that was my fa- that's my favorite story. That's the half my day on the beach. Yeah, was I was like, Costa <laughs> <laughs> Rica. So, yeah. so you ultimately left Troublemaker to go work for IDW. Was there no, 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 no? That's not exactly what happened. I went to do political media for eight years. Okay. So uh, I did like you know, gubernatorial, Senate races, congressional races, 18 T's public policy advertising, mm-hmm. um, presidential races, including our current president. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I did that. And then I went to work for IDW for a second. Okay. Well, was there ever any um, sense of not wanting to leave Troublemaker or was it always like, okay, I've learned as much as I can. I'm ready to move on. Um, yeah, I mean, like there, I, I think at a certain point, I just kind of felt like I wanted to do something a little different. Um, you know, my husband and I, you know, as I've mentioned before, he's a comic book writer. We had a publishing company. We managed, you know, a lot of stuff with that, you know, as publishers and him as a writer and stuff. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like something different. I was always had a passion for politics too at the time, you know, and I still do. Um, and kind of wanted to see um, what else there was. Um, I mean, honestly, like I learned so much uh, when I worked for Robert Elizabeth. That was like one of the best experiences of my life. And um, I wouldn't be where I am today without that fundamental basic knowledge of not just like corporate tax law, which I learned a ton about. but then, you know, when I left and started doing producing, um, you know, political media, like I learned the real ins and outs of like post-production and went in a way that I hadn't understood before um, to the point where like now I operate my own camera. So, you know, it's interesting because Robert really is like, I think his strengths lie as an editor more than anything else. Um, and I really understand now I completely understand the foundation and understand how you can really make a feature in the edit room mm. in a way that I didn't understand when I worked for him, if that makes sense. Yeah. So. Well, I, I, I did, I did actually know about the political work you did afterwards. What attracted mm-hmm. you to go into that side of, um, you know, well, politics, but still staying in the film industry at the same time, what, what sort of attracted you to go down that route? Well, uh, my mom's neighbor was in that business and they needed somebody. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I, that sounds fun. So I did that for a, a while. <laughs> and it kind of, kind of tried to kill me. So <laughs> I was like, I got to get away from this for a little bit. But um, I dip my toe in it every once in a while, actually, in my free time, strangely. So... So what you you were working on like was it like commercials from what I've read that sort of thing and yeah TV and broadcast broadcast TV and and radio um, right so we would produce uh, TV spots and radio spots for candidates and initiatives and um, public policy advertising kind of things like I guess you're not in the state so you've probably never seen any of my work so neither one of you yeah <laughs> that, that is true although i've been to america yeah. several times so maybe maybe i've caught something on well on we did i did one national camp like i did like i did the pickens plan spots which is like this even i don't know if y'all in 2008 this guy who was a billionaire like oil guy do you remember this at all probably not what was the name it was uh, T-Boone Pickens, who was like, he did this like wind and uh, natural gas in- initiative in 2008, which is kind of why we have like all these wind farms everywhere now. Right. I did those spots. Okay. So like I'd done like national campaigns. And so like, if you had been in the States, you would have seen them. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're watching television in 2008. Um, I did, I did Biden's presidential in 2007 as well. So. Right. So. so- you know, you do all this work as well as, you know, you had the short inside Winona Earp. Have you ever considered um, at some point, you know, doing a full feature down the road? Who, me? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do. I for 
uh, for Winona, I did, I created all of the extra content. So it's mm -hmm. not just one, it's, mul there's multiple, um, short, yeah. there's a companion to every single episode of that show that I created. Um, and this season they were all like 10 minutes or longer. So mm -hmm. the, the companion to 12 was like 27 minutes long. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> And and then you're now you still working with IDW as far as I can tell you yes yeah and and I mean one thing I actually noted down actually about your husband and a, a weird connection with me and Cam because me and Cam actually met through Star Trek of all things not even oh, spy yes. movies so there's a connection there he 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 wrote at least one uh, Star yeah, Trek yeah he wrote uh, graphic novel he wrote a couple did he write a whole he's a, I've got one written down for for pocket books that he did. I don't think it was for IDW. For Pocket, yeah. Yeah, he wrote yeah. a novella for them, I believe. Yeah, um, I, I've, I've got the book somewhere. I, I definitely have read that one. Yeah, sorry. He wrote an entire X-Men book, but um, I'm like, <laughs> like, like, I'm trying to like dig back in my memory. I'm like, he's written a lot of books. He's written a lot of books. He wrote, he's written a lot of comics as well. He, he most, most recently is doing a lot of Hellboy work uh, with Mike, but uh, yeah. Um, yes, we are Star Trek fans in this house. Yes. So. But he also did write uh, for Shark Boy and Lava Girl as well, keeping the Rodriguez connection there. Yeah, we packaged all those books. Yeah, we packaged all those books for them. So we did yeah. the, we, we did the, um, we did the Sin City making a book. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we packaged like five books for, for Robert Elizabeth. Um, and then he ended up writing like the first two um, books, like, adventure books for them so was there, was there ever any talk of combining the spy kids world with with that sort of world at all with shark boy and lava girl well no not so much that but just like graphic novels comic books that sort of thing because i i haven't come across any i know there was the movie books like you mentioned earlier but i haven't found anything in terms of comics no no mm -mm. strangely no you feel like Which it is would ironic be because like, yeah. it's just weird because like robert used to have a cartoon like he used yeah. to have a cartoon in the Daily Texan, so he was, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of like where he when they, where he started. So, um, yeah, no, strangely, hmm. which I okay. think is weird now. Yeah, and I didn't think like that a... was weird before, but I think that that's weird. <laughs> it seems like a weird bit of synergy there that it would just work together those two things hand in hand. But there is a, a new Spy yeah. Kids project in the works currently from Rodriguez. Something. Oh, really? Rumbling apparently. Well, there was a four. There was the fourth one, which I've mm -hmm. never seen. I, we haven't got to uh, it yet. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it. So, so Joel McHale. We'll talk about the fourth one, and I'm like, oh yeah, right. I forgot. You know, it's funny because like now I'm friends with people who are adults, and like they're like, oh, the Spy Kids movie. They always I loved those when I was a kid, and I'm like, I got I feel freaking ancient. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like not looking forward to getting adults. into the fourth one. Well, yeah, it, they are it. They are adults in that film, actually. Funnily enough, the kids. Um, well, I think what we'll do is we'll wrap up with a set of sort of quick fire questions that we always wrap our interviews up with, and we're going to okay. maybe test your spy knowledge a little bit here, just <laughs> oh, okay. outside the spy kids. It's not like yeah. a, a trivia quiz, but like, first question always is, what is your favorite spy film? You can go outside of Spy Kids, any spy film you like. What do you reach for? There's got to be a good one, and I'm going to remember it once I get off the phone with you. Um, oh, well, uh, here's I've got a better one. I've got an entire TV series, Sandbaggers. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's a choice. Wow. That's the first time we've had that one come along. Wow. Yeah. It's usually Casino Royale is, is the gut reaction from everyone. So thank you for yeah, screw that. Thinking... Sandbaggers, man. Yeah. Oh, I love that freaking show. I love that show. Thank you so for good. thinking outside the box. I appreciate that. Yeah. Are you a James Bond fan at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I like John. I mean, yeah, sure. Who is? I mean, yeah. Oh, we, we, we've had some that aren't. Um, who's your James Bond is, is the next question then. Well, my group on Roger Moore. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. Um, so I would, it's kind of like, who's your Superman? It's like the same mm -hmm. thing with Christopher Reeve is my Superman, you know? It, I would, I, I wish it was John Connery, but it's not. It's Roger Moore. I, I, and they I should have brought agree. Pierce Brosnan in like way before Timothy Dalton. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like 
What were they thinking? I, it, it wasn't their choice, trust me. Uh, there was so many behind the scenes. <laughs> so much drama with that film, uh, Living Daylights. Okay, well then, yeah. if Roger Moore's your Bond, what's your favourite Bond film? What's the one you reach for? I thought Casino Royale, I thought the new Casino Royale was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that like, I was like kind of surprised at how good it was. Cause mm-hmm. you kind of like, you're gets to the point where, you know, I have like a, I have a soft spot for Octopussy just because like, I kind of like, was just like, that just like reminds me of my childhood a little bit, but, but yeah, I don't know. That's my sister's all-time of... favorite. So really, the company, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yep, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's just a ridiculous movie. I love it. If anyone can tell me the plot of Octopussy, I uh, yeah, no one can. No, no one can. It's uh, it's a great it's, name. Yeah, it's <laughs> fantastic. Well, okay. Well, this is an additional question because you are our spy kid specialist. Okay. What do you what do you want to see happen with the Spy Kids franchise now? I know Robert Rodriguez is maybe working on a new reboot of the concept. That would be great if he helms it. Um, but what would you like to see happen? Uh, I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of feel like it's done, but um... that's okay. It can be done. You don't have to reboot everything. I don't know. It would be nice to see Daryl and Alexa again on something as adults. You know, it's always nice to see them. I'm like, oh, there's. Daryl or there's Alexa and stuff. I don't know, like them as parents. I don't know. They do that at all in the. In they the turn four? up in the fourth one apparently, but it's like a scene, and they're okay. agents, and they're, they're like late teens at that point, and they're just agents, but they're not okay really in the film. There's new kids. I mean, I think if you're gonna do anything, you have to have them be parents, right? It makes sense. Yeah, especially in this era where it's like the legacy sequel concept of the established yeah. characters launching the next generation. Oh yeah, it would make total sense. Yeah. There's mm. my like two cents on that. I guess <laughs> I would watch that film. I, I'm on board. That's fine. Sure. Um, well, as we wrap up, Allison, yeah, is there anything you wanna you're working on at the moment you wanna shout out or, or point our audience towards? Uh no. I mean, I guess if you want to see my work, you can see if you get the iTunes or Google Play or whatever of any of the Wine and Herb stuff. Uh, I basically there's a companion, like I said, for each episode for every season. I'm really proud of my work on season four um, because I actually had time to edit. (laughs) So in the previous seasons, I was always like in kind of like a, like like I was always trying to catch up with the show because like I had like, it's like a hard deadline or whatever. And they always start editing the show before I get to start editing the companions, obviously. And, um, but I had, because of the pandemic, (laughs) I had a little more time on my hands. So it was kind of lovely. Um, yeah. Um, register to vote. <laughs> it's important. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Our, our poor country down here, you know, um, it's a little bit of a mess. So. Hey, we're, we're not faring any better across the across the ocean here, to be fair. We, uh, we shot ourselves in the foot big time. Yeah, I've been worried about you guys. <laughs> we're not be far honest. behind you. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Canada's fine. <laughs> Let's Sunshine and roses. There. I've been frolicking <laughs> in fields all day. <laughs> I love Canada. I spent so much time in Canada. In the snow, the snowy mountains of Alberta. <laughs> I'm in Vancouver, so I'm not actually that far away from where you are in Oregon. No, you're not far from me at all. In yeah. fact, like when we came to visit the, so when we where they shot the pilot by zombie, like they, uh, well, they shot in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. um but uh, all five seasons but uh they invited us up to the set uh when they shot the pilot and we just drove <laughs> because we're just like we're just gonna drive <laughs> so and i work at a bakery and i believe i actually made crew wrap cakes for iZombie. So, oh did you yeah small those world. were lovely people as well the entire yep. cast and the sherman rob and diane were just fantastic are just fantastic people so um yeah that was a cool thing that happened <laughs> Well, Alison, I just want to thank you for joining us today. Take a trip down memory lane to Spy yes. Kidsville. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and insights. I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. There you have it, folks. That was Alison Baker. We really want to thank her again for joining us. So lots of uh, behind-the-scenes information that maybe isn't out there that we got from the interview, and uh, maybe we should just pick it apart a little bit. 
Yeah, we finally know what wound up happening to that table from the parents' room in Spy Kids. There you go. Uh, it's in her house. I mean, in terms of uh, you know film loot, some people taking you know, costumes and stuff. Now she wasn't in a costume. Uh, I I maybe would have taken one of the little gadgets, maybe or one of the maybe the rebreathers or something, or maybe the chewing gum from the first one. Maybe I would have taken one of those. I mean, Tony Shalhoub took the cast of Minion's Head. That would have been at the top mm. of my list. And maybe a thumb thumb suit. That would be fun to take home. Oh, that would be cool. Or also a floop suit would be cool. As in the actual suit that Alan Cumming was wearing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind that, actually, to be fair. But none of these things you could have hanging around your house. But chest of drawers, little cabinet. You certainly could, and we'll have a little photo up later in the week of the cabinet in the house, but you you would never know it's from a film set. That's right. Um, but, yeah, you know, there's other things we tackled, you know, talking about the sets, which you mentioned on the intro. Um, as she was an assistant to Robert Rodriguez, and she worked with him from not just the Spy Kids films, but she also worked on films like The Faculty, Sin City, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. She was with the Rodriguez Troublemaker Studios from, like, 98 to around 2005, 2006. So she really was there for sort of some of the height of his fame and was rushing from film project to film project. And, you know, there was definitely some moments that were, were hairy. I mean, learning about Rodriguez's back problems on set, obviously that, that really seemed to have been quite harrowing for her and probably quite stressful for people that were working on Spy Kids too. Yeah, and this is a really interesting period for Troublemaker and Rodriguez where you're coming off of Desperado and From Dust Till Dawn, and there was a lot of buzz about how Rodriguez was primed to explode. This was about to become one of the big, important filmmakers of his generation. And, um, you know, we can have the debates now whether that wound up being the case, but you could definitely say Spy Kids had a big impact, and some of his other work since has had a big impact, since he was very popular. Um, it's really interesting to have someone give us a little bit of a glimpse into what sort of that world was at that particular point in time where I remember as a moviegoer being so excited for um, faculty. Mm. I remember really being excited because it was like, okay, we are on the verge of this guy tipping over into being the next big thing on like a bigger stage because Desperado and From Dust Till Dawn were hits, but they were more modest hits. And Spy Kids obviously was a big box office hit. So I was just really interested to hear her talk about especially with the second one, just the process of doing the location shoots for the second one, and then switching it up for the third one to do the all 3D green screen environments. And you would have thought that the, the 3D green screen environment would have been the hardest one to shoot, but for all intents and purposes, it sounds like the second one was the biggest challenge. And, you know, tracking our experiences with them, I think the first one we all agree was our favorite. But uh, I, I would have thought that the, the, the 3D technology would have made it harder, but apparently working like 95% on green screen, I think it was, was actually a breeze. That doesn't shock me. I think there's a reason when we look at blockbusters now that a lot of them are shot in warehouses. It's like the ability to control all of the elements makes the production a lot easier. Uh, you know, just listen to the stories about Spy Kids 2 with the heat and the whole desert locations and kind of... What a nightmare that could be. The fact that you could now just put people in a warehouse and control all the environment, uh, it makes it a lot quicker and easier. So I can totally imagine that Spy Kids 3 was probably a little more relaxed than the first two. And, and yeah, Alison said, you know, she was a bit nervous before doing this interview because it was such a long time ago for her. And, you know, trying to recall stories. But, you know, it's, what I want to get down into really is because I've, in a way, I'm an assistant in my current job now. And one thing you do is you do act as this sort of filter for the person you're assisting. And it seems like that's what she did. I mean, she she was working on QA. She was working with merchandise, um, other products. She, she was doing a lot of stuff as well as managing Robert Rodriguez's diary, other stuff for Troublemaker as well, obviously moving up the ranks by the end. So it was interesting to see that person that was really like stopping all the crap getting to Rodriguez allowing him to work on the creative process to make these films and you really need someone that is good at that in on in your on your side if you're someone like rodriguez and i think allison had a good time doing it and seems like she was the right woman for the, the challenge well we so often make the mistake when we talk about the big filmmakers of today or even the past whether it's a christopher nolan a quentin tarantino or a robert rodriguez where we go well what a visionary they are an auteur 
controlling everything to do with their set and their production. You know, this film is 100% them. But when you really have to examine all the moving parts of the film set and all of the people around that make all of these sorts of things happen, you know, um, Allison talked about producer Elizabeth Avalon and how important she was to making these productions run. And yes, Rodriguez may be the creative brain behind a lot of this and coming up with the ideas, but it took a lot of important people to make all of this happen and ultimately give us the movie that we appreciate now. I'm surprised you didn't mention the, uh, the third brain. Is that what it was called from the first one? Oh, it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was called the third brain or the fourth brain or the fifth brain. I can't remember. It was a brain. Clearly, I barely have one brain. <laughs> <laughs> Between us. Mm. So after Alison left Troublemaker, she obviously went on to work in the political field and then now working for IDW. Um which, uh, yeah, it's actually interesting. She took the experience she learned at Troublemaker and then became a, a filmmaker in her own set, her own right, really, after that, which is a, a really interesting career trajectory to take. And um, I think she really enjoyed working in that field. And uh, But what I actually found most interesting is that she's a Roger Moore fan. That doesn't surprise me. She falls right in sort of my age bracket. We were the generation that grew up on Roger Moore, and she cited Octopussy as being one of her favorites. That was the one my sister and I watched over and over and over again on VHS back in the day. I'm fascinated when we get around to talking about Roger Moore because I have such a weird experience with his films. I was just a bit, I think I was too young when they came out. I didn't attach myself to those films. And so Pierce Brosnan was always my bond. And watching his films now, they just feel a bit childish and insane. But anyway. I'm going off track here. Also, she did shout out the Sandbaggers, which is a, a spy TV show. That's probably the first time we've heard that mentioned on the show, which is nice to hear. Nice to see someone not saying Casino Royale. Yeah, I always am excited when I hear offbeat choices. I remember, you know, Rich Wilkes mentioning The Eagle Has Landed and us really perking up because so often you do hear the, you know, um, Casino Royale, Born Identity, that sort of thing. And it's always fun when people hit you with something that you don't expect. I remember Ross and Marshall Thurber mentioning No Way Out. So mm. that to me is also something that always makes me perk up when I get a fun, you know, suggestion like that. I'm looking forward to the day someone mentions Condor Man. It'll happen one day if we go long enough. It has to. Hey, we've got years ahead of us to, to decode in these films, my friend. But yeah. Again, thank you, Alison, for joining us. And thank you all for listening. You can, of course, follow us discreetly on social media at SpyHards. That's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to check out our Patreon at SpyHards.com slash Patreon. We have our exclusive Agents in the Field series where we tackle non-spy films from your favorite spy actors. And, of course, our monthly film commentaries. But until next week, listeners, we'll keep seeing you among the shadows. 